You're listening to the Super Coin Bros Podcast, recorded by the Super Coin Bros at Sahara Coins in Las Vegas, Nevada. What's up, guys? We are back with another episode of the Super Coin Bros Podcast. And uh, kind of like we promised, we're going to talk about the same thing. Pretty much. Jonathan here, guys. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, today, we're going to continue the series on the Lincoln Scent. Uh, for those of you guys who have not listened to the first one, go back and listen to that one. It's a good one. This is going to lead right, uh, that's going to lead right into this one today. And uh, we're going to be featuring two coins, two more from the series, two more of the big hitters. So, yeah, we're going to talk about two that I know... How do I put this? It's similar to, to every other time we talk about key dates, right? right. Things that are worth a lot of money. So uh, 14D, 14D, 22 no D, 22 strong no reverse. D. So point that out. suffice to say we're talking about D today? It, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. You know, I, there's certain things I try not to admit, uh, and that would be one of them. But we had, now that we've let the D out of the bag, we're, there you go. Uh, there you we're go. going to go ahead and, and move forward with this one. So Free the D. Okay. That's true, right. as we said we would, apparently. Yep. So I'm going to let that one go. There you go. There you go. Take it as you will. So um, we'll start. Uh, let that one go too. <laughs> uh, see, there's infinite possibilities here. We're, we're, again, just having a good time here. Anyway, um, first and foremost, 1914D. Let's, uh, let's start with that. We'll just go in chronological order. The interesting thing about the 1914D is the comparison that's made between the Philadelphia Right, the uh, the the fact that the Philadelphia has, I think it's something like uh, seventy five million, something along those lines, as far as mintage goes. Yeah, it's it's a ton. Right, it's a ton. And in comparison, uh, you're looking like one point one. Yeah, like one million one hundred ninety three thousand. Mm-hmm. So just shy of one point two. Right. Right. So that's a little bit of a, an illustration as to how much rarer the nineteen fourteen D is. Yeah. So here's the thing: we see a lot. Of counterfeits when it comes mm-hmm. to this coin. So the reason being, there's a lot of a lot of, I'm going to say easy things you could do True. to make yep. this coin happen. Kind of. Well, I mean, it lends itself to exactly that, right? Like how we were talking about how common the 1914 Philly is. Right. Because what ends up happening is a lot of these guys they just add a mint mark. Yep. And and one of the first things that I know we look for, um, you know, one of the obvious ones is looking for an added mint mark. Because right. Most of the time, it's not seamless. There's mm-hmm. there's a little indentation. There's tooling. discoloration. Yep. Tooling. Yeah. Yep. There's tons and tons of things that point that out. And. Let's face it, I mean, how many times have we seen counterfeit 1914Ds, man? I mean, it's... Uh, honestly, dude, I would venture to go out on a limb and say maybe one a month. Yeah, I would I would concur. And that's that minimum. Sounds about right. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Because Lincoln Scent albums are common Very to see. So. Um, but then when, you know, you, you open one up, I'm not going to lie, you open one up, you see all the holes filled, you're like, yep. ooh, this all is right. awesome. All right. And as yep. soon as you start looking, uh, that's when, when issues arise. So we start looking closer at, you know, the coins that are in there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, first things we're going to usually, our eyes are going to gravitate to are going to be the 09 SVDB, 14D. Absolutely. You know, all the ones that we're like, ooh, and you're salivating over. Yeah, yeah. The key um, dates are definitely the first places that we're going to look. Because let's face it, man, I I, I understand that the, uh, the, the uh, album is complete, but really the most of the value, the majority of the value is going to be derived from the key dates. Right. Most of that value we see in those albums definitely comes from a, a handful of coins. Um, now, the ticket is 
taking your time to figure out whether it's counterfeit or not. Absolutely. There's so, so many things that uh, we've seen that people try to pass off as legit, but um, fortunately we trained in uh, detecting some of those um, sneaky habits. And I'm sure that's what some of these folks are listening to this for, right? Like mm-hmm. going, okay, cool, great, we get it, we get it, it's an expensive coin, awesome. How do I know if I'm getting ripped off? Yeah. Well, there's a couple of ways you can do that. We already discussed the mint mark, right? Mm-hmm. Always look at the mint mark, look for tooling, scratches. Uh, the other thing to look at there is that the mint mark is the same color as the rest of the coin. Absolutely. Because copper is very reactive. And very over time, so. your coin's going to change. Your mint mark should change with it. For sure. I mean, this is one of those things where, um, like Ray said, because copper, copper is very reactive, if it's introduced to any type of solvent, it's going to change its color. The introduction of heat is going to change its color. So, I mean, if you see any sort of discoloration either around or on the mint mark or even on the back side of the coin, the reverse of the coin, right where the mint mark should be, that should be some immediate, immediate red flags. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Because, it again, solvent is usually what they're going to be using, some form of solvent or adhesive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, normally, I mean, it's pretty obvious. The right. mint mark, added mint mark is pretty obvious. The right. one that I see above and beyond that is when they take a 44D, Mm-hmm. And change the first four. Absolutely. Yep. They so, shave down that four to make it look like a one. Yeah. There's yep. a couple of issues there, right? So, okay, I'm going to ask you. I'm not going to give you a hint. I'm not going to show you anything. I already know you're going to know one of the answers. Sure. What's one of the things you look for and you see when you spot a 44D that's been turned into a 14D? Well, it's really going to be the uh, the tooling marks and whatnot that you're going to see around the date. That's that's going to be kind of a, the dead giveaway, really. And the spacing, right? Absolutely. Because it literally looks like somebody was on a keyboard and was like, oh, hey, one nine space space four. Mm-hmm. Like there's, you know, or space space one. Right. Um, right. It, they literally, there's a gap in the middle. Massive gap. Humongous. The other thing, and this kind of goes back and ties into our last podcast, we were talking about VDB. Mm-hmm. So on a true 1914D, there is no, no VDB. VDB. Yep. But on these 44D counterfeits, a lot of these people don't realize that they added VDB back onto the coins in 1918, but it's on the obverse. Correct. So they leave a VDB underneath Lincoln. You're like, yo, here's a 14D. Totally real, bro. Trust me, my grandma's grandma's grandma owned it. That's the line usually. Maybe not that many grandmas. Maybe but at not. Least but one. yeah, that's definitely the uh, the the common phrase that's used, right? Oh, it was uh, owned by my grandfather who bought it from this, then the other. Oh, Whatever and he's a very be. honest man. Just yeah, so you know, absolutely. Always, throw that in there. Always, always. He is very and, decorated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so you know you see these things, but they're they're obvious counterfeits, uh, and and it's unfortunate. I mean, some people, and I I want to believe, right? I want to believe that most of these people who come in to see us are genuine. They don't know that they actually have a counterfeit. They just saw somewhere that their 1914D was worth money. I want to believe that, but sometimes we'll get characters who... I'm going to tell you, we can tell. Yeah. Because here's the difference. When you come in and you don't know you have a counterfeit, the surprise on your face or Mm -hmm. the disappointment is real. Yeah. When you know you have a counterfeit and we verify that you have a counterfeit and you go... 
okay, cool, thanks. And you take your coin and roll out. It's no big deal. Something tells me there that uh, you may have had a a suspicion. Interestingly enough, when you look at coins and you read coins long enough, there's a part of that that translates into reading people. We have gotten a very good idea as to, you know, sometimes how how people carry themselves. That actually tells tells us a lot about them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, that's definitely one of those things. Um, Speaking of which... um, one of the other ones that 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 we I don't think we talk about quite as much are going to be the ones that are full on kind of the entire coin oh, itself. Oh yeah, is Colin well, Abraham Lincoln looks like a Simpsons character? Absolutely, it's pimply and whatnot. Yeah. And yeah, there are some that we get so focused on looking at the mint mark or looking at the date that sometimes the bigger picture the bigger picture essentially falls through the cracks. Um, there have been times and whatnot where. You have a cast coin. Everything else looks in line. There's no there's no tooling around the mint mark. There's no discoloration or anything like that. And so that that sometimes gets uh, even the best collectors or or some dealers in some cases uh, to fall for for the counterfeits just because they're so focused on looking for very very specific uh, um, uh, diagnostics. So I would I agree with you. I would say that's a very, very minor amount of mm-hmm. folks. Uh, sure. I would hope. Yeah. Um, because in most cases, at least with sense, when they're legit counterfeited, like the whole thing is fake, mm-hmm. uh, it's usually pretty terrible. But I get what you're saying because it does get to that point where you start looking into them and you're looking at the little stuff. I totally get it. Um, now, with all of that said, the 1914D, one of the things that uh, that I wanted to point out because last time we discussed the pricing Sure. Right. Between yep. a brown and a red. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had pulled some numbers on the 14D. One uh, interesting fact, actually, based on the mintage numbers on this coin, they say it's the third lowest of all wheat cents. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. And that's part of the reason why the value is where the value is. For sure. I'm going to tell you. So a good four. All good right. four. Yep. Just take a guess. Good four. And we're talking brown, obviously. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah brown. See good here. four. Good four. So fun things about the lower grades is, you know, the populations of those are usually pretty low. They either turn into details coins and whatnot. So uh, I'm going to guess that the population really not that high. I want to say somewhere in the ballpark of maybe seven or eight hundred bucks. No, you're a little high. Okay. Uh, in a in a good four, you're right. looking at one sixty five. One sixty five. Okay. Yeah. Am I am I looking more along the lines of like a like a poor an AG? Uh, my guess is I, I don't have the number for those. You, right. pr- my guess you probably around, yeah, probably probably r- about there. Something along those lines. Yeah. Right? Just because of the population is so maybe. low. Yep. Yeah. Um. And then well, here's the other the other funny thing here, right? So in brown, a sixty six mint state sixty six right. is twelve k. Right. In red, a mint state sixty six. It's 85K. And the finest known is a 66 plus red, 185K. Jesus, man. So, guys, this is that, that right there is what tells you there's a huge disparity from one grade to the next, right? Absolutely. So, that's that's from a six to a six plus. Right. It goes up 100K. Right. Now, let's go back and look at a red in Mint State 63. So, we're talking a three grade difference. Okay. It, let's be honest, on paper, it doesn't look like much, right? right? In hand, three grades is a big difference. It is. But it is. Remember, sixty-six. It's an eighty-five thousand dollars coin. Mm-hmm. Sixty-three. It's a forty-one hundred dollars coin. Yep. Yep. And it comes down to looking at the population of them, right? You Absolutely. go look at the certified pop report, and you're like, "Bro, there's mm-hmm. like a ton of sixty-three. There really are. There yeah. really are. 
you get over the 66, eh, we're, it's in a new ball game there, guys. We're not uh, we're not playing the same thing. Truly conditioned rarities are, are definitely a thing, right? So speaking of conditioned rarities and just outright rarities, yep. the 1922, no, no D. D. Strong yep. reverse. I'm going to point that out. Strong yeah. reverse. Yeah. And you'll understand why I say that uh, in just a little bit because – I feel like the grading companies sometimes are like two kids fighting at the bike rack. In a sense, yeah. Because yeah, one of them's yeah. like, yo, listen, this is what it is, and so is this. And yeah. the other grading company's like, well, no, it's not. Yeah. Like, there's only one that counts. It's the uh uh-uh, uh, yaha sort of back and 100%. forth. 100%. Yeah. It's, it's my ball, I'm going home. Yeah. Right? Although they don't ever go home in this case. No. Neither no, they just, they just keep send them fighting. Up. Yeah. <laughs> Since <laughs> like the 80s. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. it's a continuous <laughs> problem that we're having. So the 1922 no D, this is an interesting coin because this is not necessarily a, how do you put this? It's an error, but it's a manufacturing default-ish kind of not really. I mean, the best way to put it really is is the definition that you know PCGS and NGC give that it's a pattern coin, mm-hmm. right? It's because it, again, is it is it is it an error? No, not really in the in the in the. Not in the technical sense, sense of, of coin collecting is right. there, but the way that it happened, kind I mean, it's an error as in like somebody made an error. That's true. That's very true. And unfortunately, there was no way around it. No, no. I, so, okay, here's the deal. It, this is an interesting one because most things you see, right, double dies, stuff like that, that they bring big money. There's a very easily explained reason as to how they they happened, mm-hmm. right? There's there's very. I mean, this is going to be explained in a moment, but right. right. But I, I, we talked about this the other day, and and I'm going to just tell you, I I'm glad I'm not in other people's shoes. Sometimes. That's very true. It's very true. So for for the 1922 no D, um, what people have to realize that in 1922 the Denver Mint was the only mint that was sanctioned to strike. Cents. So in 1922, there are only 1922 D cents. So then the question becomes, well, why the hell is there a mm-hmm. 1922 with no mint mark? So the initial issue does come down to similar things that have happened in multiple occasions, right? Mm-hmm. Die clash, die essentially explodes. Yep. And at the same time, when that happened, it was the reverse die yep. that that happened to. It damaged the obverse die, mm-hmm. so the die that has the mint mark. Some of you that like to think ahead may know where we're headed here. Absolutely. But you're probably wrong because you probably think that when it damaged the, the, the obverse die that it took the mint mark off. It didn't. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. So as the damage occurred, so what you have to understand is because the Denver Mint was the only one that was striking cents, they were under some extreme pressure right, to get this done. Um, and so... As these dies clashed, broke, whatever it might be, they did not necessarily have the time or resources to get new dies made. So sometimes they had to use what they had. They had to maybe repolish, refurbish some things that they had. So imagine this. Imagine you're working in the die. You're working in the in the mint, I'm yep. sorry. Yep. And you know, you're on lunch break, something happens, someone's in your spot, whatever. You come back from lunch and your, your manager's like, hey, buddy, uh, need you to do me a favor. Yep. There was an issue. Here's what happened. I need you to take the obverse die that was damaged and uh, I need you to clean it up. Yep. It's it, it got it got a little funky 
with this uh, little explosion we had over here, this little little breakdown. Mm-hmm. So you do right. You're gonna you want to do the best job you can possibly do. Absolutely. So you break out your little little die file, break mm-hmm. out your polishing cloths, whatever you're using to polish things, your little Dremel, whatever the case may be. You go to town fixing it up, doing your job right. Only to find out you removed the mint mark. Yep, you kind of maybe a little went uh, maybe went a little little too hard. Maybe you were distracted. Maybe mm-hmm. you were talking to somebody. Whatever it might be. Maybe you Something didn't have your it, coffee that day. That's true. Yeah. That's, Who knows? I mean, that's, Whatever that's it might be. But in any case, for the mint mark to essentially be polished away, this is one of those situations where, again, we were kind of talking about this. We were like, man, what do you do in that situation? Yeah, you if just, you're that guy or yeah. girl, what, I mean, what do you do? Yeah. You go to your boss and be like, hey, check this out. I know we have this crazy amount of coins we got to get done. Uh, I just polished the mint mark right off. You yep. want me just to send it? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. what do we do? Uh, yeah, what, what, what is the alternative? And again, as the head of the mint, what is your call? Is it one of those where you're like, oh, well, I guess we're going to have to wait for a new diet? No, you can't do that. You just, you, you didn't have the resources. That wasn't an option. Right. Right. So, I mean, sometimes you just have to send it as is. And I'm assuming that's what happened. Right. I mean, here's the thing. From from everything I've been able to research, it sounds to me like there was three die pairs mm-hmm. in 1922. But due to everything that happened, I mean, I could be wrong here, but I don't I don't see how. No, I do see how. So here's the thing: there's the three <laughs> die pairs, right? But if you look at some of the varieties that have come out, or some quote unquote varieties. Mm-hmm. You have the strong reverse, which yep. is the one that they 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 both grading companies recognize as strong reverse. Yes. Okay. Now, with both grading companies recognizing them as strong reverse, it is only die pairing number two. Mm-hmm. Now, other grading companies, there are grading companies out there that are still label a coin as a twenty-two no D, but it's not labeled as a strong reverse. Right. Which a strong reverse is the valuable one. Right. And reason so- being is. This is where it gets questionable for me. Very much so. Very much so. So, again, we're, we're speculating on this a little bit, but this is one of those where the reverse pattern of the dies on the Lincoln Sense do not change, right, especially around the time that we're talking about. So this is one of those, in a pinch, you could reuse those, those reverse dies. Mm-hmm. Um, what people have to understand is that the thing that makes the 1922 no D so interesting as far as from a grading standpoint goes is the grade of the obverse is, is I don't want to say negated, but it's a lot less um, uh, scrutinized mm-hmm. just because of the massive, massive amount of wear that the, the obverse dies incurred. So the strong reverse essentially is a stronger testament to the condition of the coin. Yeah, and honestly, it it becomes, well, in theory, it becomes the the denominator that makes this thing worth truly what it's worth, mm-hmm. right? And so, I look and it, it, there's some out there that have a partial D, mm-hmm. the the weak. Yes, D you have that mark. weak yep. D on mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's sad when you find it because yeah, yeah. you're like, woo, twenty two, and, and then you're like, like you, oh, you see a shadow, yeah. a shadow of a D. Yeah, just that D poking out right there gets you every time. You're like, <laughs> man, I can't. I thought I had something uh, valuable sorry, here. Sorry, man. I just uh, I, I I tried to I tried to. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, there's just again, just too many, too many instances that 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 we can just crack jokes here. But it's anyway, true, it's yeah. true. So, with the 22 no D, just as we did with the 19 to 14 D, there's a handful of important diagnostics mm-hmm. that you look for 
uh, when you're looking at these coins. Absolutely. Um, what's what's one of the first ones you would look? So for? the first one again is is in the early die stages of the 1922D. Obviously, there's going to be the D mint mark. So one of the things that you're going to see is people taking genuine 1922D, essentially early die stage coins, and essentially filing away the mint mark to make it look like a mm-hmm. 1922D. Yeah. So the date or the mint mark huge. Um, obviously the strong reverse. Yep. That's, absolutely. That's one of the, one of the things. Another thing with that coin is you look at the date itself mm-hmm. and the second two mm-hmm. is usually very weak. Right. Very, very weak. Right. So that's, that's one of the other diagnostics. And then all over that coin, there's different things. Uh, trust in the motto is usually really strong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where you have the, uh, in God, is usually very weak. Very weak, yep. And then uh, like the L in Liberty, also going to be very weak just because of the amount of stress. That and up against the rim of the coin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 one of the main things, too. When you're looking at some of these that are like, meh, I don't know about that. Yeah. it's you got to check that motto in that coin. There's so many things that tell a story in the motto. That for coin. sure, for sure. And again, we, we stress these smaller places to look just because they're really great diagnostic areas. One of the other things, again, we talk about looking at the coin as a whole, too, right? So one of the things that um, we also want to check out is, again, these dies were under an, a massive amount of stress. So if you see a 1922 no D, but the Lincoln itself, the portrait of Lincoln is extremely crisp, that's usually very, very unusual, right? You yeah. wouldn't have the 1922 no D with a really crisp, high-relief strike of, of Lincoln's portrait. Again, the, the hair is going to be very, very matted. A lot of the detail in the lapel and whatnot is going to be very flat because of how worn the dyes were. Well, and something to think about here, too. We mentioned total mintage of the 14D only being 1.1 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, total mintage of the 22 Denver mm-hmm. is 7.1 million. Right. Okay, but they estimate there's a 15,000 of these 22 nodies no yep. mm-hmm. out there. So... This is one of those weird caveats, right? Where we're like, hey, total mintage of that 14D, man, this thing is number three. Right. Well, I get it. This has seven million, but the one that everybody's looking for. Yep. That's the one that's, that's low, so low. Yeah, absolutely. Like so, there's there's a lot to be said for this coin because it's, I don't know, man. It's one of those where I look at it and I go, cool, it's a really cool coin. And that's why in the beginning I said, is this thing an error? Is it a, what is this? It's similar to the 14D in the aspect that like, okay, well, it's definitely valuable. For sure. It's definitely a coin people look for. Without a doubt. But when you look at the history of this coin, you're like, this is like a man-made problem, man. It it really is. It really is one of those issues that came from the mint due to circumstances and human mm-hmm. error right mm-hmm. i mean th- those were the it's sort of the perfect storm i do wish i could have been a fly on the wall that day oh yeah because yeah. you i mean come on just to they, hear what somebody the rest, knew the reason yeah yeah you're telling me that you didn't you didn't look at the die when you were done like listen if anybody anybody listening to this by any crazy far cry of a chance it's somehow related down the line to the person that over polished the 1922 d we'd dies. love to hear from you yeah, absolutely give story. me a call give us a hard time you know if old Old Grandpa Chuck was told you the story about polishing the die and then getting reamed by his boss, but told at the same time to go ahead and do it anyways. Yep. I would love to hear that. Because, I mean, let's face it, you know, quality control was still a thing back then. They yeah. did make sure to, you know, remove any types of, uh, you know, grossly error-struck coins, right? Error-struck coins back in the day. So The only thing I can think, man, is quota. Had right? to be. 
You have to, to get so much done. Produce. You're the only ones doing it. They had to produce. Absolutely. And let's be real. When they're producing that, right, just like any other error that gets out there, mm-hmm. when it first gets out there, nobody's looking at it going, man, this is going to be worth a lot of money. No. No I way. mean, in the grand, it's like Carson City dollars. For they're, sure. You know, they're awesome. People love them now. But when they were coming out of the mint, nobody cared. They mm-hmm. were like, oh, cool, a Carson City dollar. And we go put it in a slot machine. I mean, that so happened much later in the right. 1800s. But. So, so, I mean, we're, we're uh, for, for those of us who know, we're, we're based here in Vegas. And uh, let's face it, you know, when Vegas was in its, you know, early infancy, the dollars were definitely something that people used to gamble with. The idea of how many Carson Cities just passed through this town for the sole purpose of gambling just to be used is that. Yeah, it's, hence it's the slot insane. machine reference. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, guys. <laughs> Oh, and you figure in the last, what, five years probably? Maybe a little longer than that. I've had phone calls from from casino executives sure. saying, hey, we found a bag of dollars in our, our mm-hmm. safe. You know, would you guys like to purchase it? Or, Absolutely. hey, we found, you know, 90% in our safe, you know, in our vaults. Here's the thing, like 90% silver, same thing. It yeah. used to be circulated here before you got printed out a ticket at a slot machine mm-hmm. when you had to carry around like four buckets because you yep. were carrying, you know, Let's be real. $500 in quarters. Nobody wants to carry around $500 no, in quarters. No. But at the same time, I'd much rather carry around my $500 in quarters than being printed a voucher for 11 cents. Anyway, that's beyond <laughs> the, that's beyond where we're headed with right, this. Right, right, right. It's kind of outside the scope yeah. of what we're talking about <laughs> but, right now. But it, it is kind of crazy to think, man. Like back in the day, people were carrying around buckets of silver. Yeah, buckets of silver to include potentially extremely rare coinage. Yeah, 100%. I mean, granted penny slots yeah yeah you know that's it's one of those i think that's a newer a newer thing relatively i'm sure i'm gonna i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say nobody was carrying around buckets of pennies back then to play penny slots but no not nearly as exciting yeah not at all um but yeah i mean these two coins are coins that that most collectors have since at some point uh face Mm -hmm. in their album or they face you know the, the the feat of trying to find them um so these were two that we wanted to definitely take the time to talk about um we have quite a few more on the list of coins we want to discuss um i know i was thinking maybe our next one we'll talk to you guys about the 31s and the 55 double die sounds like a good 55 double die that's uh that's a monster very much highly highly coveted it is especially in high grade Mm -hmm. it's just scary what those things go for in high grade but that's another one of those things where even somebody who's not familiar with it, again, just just one of those things that just stand out. So we'll mm-hmm. go further. We'll go more in detail on that in the next round. And maybe we'll talk about those eleven cent vouchers from the casinos. Too. Those are really irritating. <laughs> the, the ones so. that just hang around on the, uh, the the side of the machines. Yeah, everybody yep. everybody gets it and goes. You yep. know what? Just leave this here. Yep. Feel free. I'm donating eleven cents to the cause. There you go, man. So, anyways, guys. Yeah, that's our uh, Vegas input, and we will uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Take care, guys.